The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how is it going coming off of... uh, a high octane that was uh pretty darn good yeah you know uh, when you got a lot of talent it's hard for shows to be bad you know and and it's what level they're at you know i was i was all right with the show i i thought things uh could have been better myself you know uh but we 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 push some storylines as we head into survival of the fittest, which is the most important thing. And we got to see some new talent, uh, that, uh, that I like and, you know, moving forward, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, uh, I got some big news, uh, October 1st, it looks like we're going to now do a show called lethal consequences because my boy Jay lethal hit me up. And I guess there's like a comedy festival con on Fremont Street that's okay. happening that weekend. And he was asking about renting a ring. So right now we're putting together hopefully a card signing for Jay Lethal uh, as well as, well, it ain't really cards. He's not signing cards, but you know, right. at the card and collectible place. Uh, a seminar that we're going to do that Sunday because I guess the comedy thing is saturday night which would be september 30th and we're gonna have jay lethal wrestle and not only is he gonna wrestle he's gonna wrestle the fsw arena for the first time you know he's definitely a friend of fsw you know we had talked about in the past ring of honor used to put the kibosh on it it's like well you can either go home sunday and get on a plane Or a lot of these guys were booked to leave Sunday night, Monday morning. It's like, well, make them get the extra payday. You know, you've already sold your tickets, and we've had that discussion, and Ring of Honor was always against it. So now he's going to be here. You know, he's done some seminars that we did, you know, before a Ring of Honor show in the past that we did it that was very well received. And, you know... They, they say, who's your top five? Your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers that you really enjoy being around. And, you know, I always say a Simon Gotch, Lance Hoyt, Matt Hardy, Jay Lethal. You know, I have to think hard to be who would replace those four guys that I always have good conversations with. And, you know, it's funny that Jay's like that, but he's never wrestled for me. Right. You know, usually you got to wrestle, and he's always been a super cool dude, Sanjay Dutt, you know, for sure. Because as I'm talking to Jay, he's like, oh, Sanjay says, hey, what's up? So, can you, you know. Can you, can, you not, can you not get Sanjay and Jeff Jarrett? Just bring in the the trio from Well, Jeff, Jeff's another guy that we get right. along great with. Like, he called me uh, a year and a half ago about the – AEW weekend that he was going to be in town for before he wrestled with them. And we were trying to look to see if we could put something together. So, you know, those guys stay in touch. Why? I want to believe it's because they realize Joe DeFalco is a super cool dude. Or secondly, whenever they come to Vegas and they get booked around events with me, they always seem to make some good money. Yeah. Because I always try to, you know, I'm, I'm always moving and shaking, trying to save money on my end. So I'm out there hustling for them to make more money doing other things. So Matt would always make a lot of money, whether it was a card signing, whether it was a dinner with Matt Hardy, whatever it was. I was always trying to think of what we could do 
that could get them, you know, more than they would have wanted just for a one shot appearance on my show. Like, hey, Jay, what are you looking for? Okay, well, you know, I could still do it for this. And it's like, okay, well, what if I get you this? But you got to do a couple things, which saves me money on the back end. And he's like, sure, I'm going to be here anyway. And now I don't have to worry about playing, paying for flights or hotels or anything. So now I got Jay Lethal. And if we can do good on the seminar and we can get a good card signing for him, you know, he's going to cost me pennies on the dollar right. to have one of the best workers, you know, in the world. You know, in AEW, things are a little different with Jay Lethal, but in Ring of Honor, he was the man. You know, he's trained some great people and he's had some great matches and his input is great. He loves wrestling, so he loves talking about it. And it's kind of like the TJP Akira seminar. They went four hours when they didn't have to. They got their money, but they like talking about wrestling. They want to help the, the, the next generation. So, you know, we're excited about Jay Lethal coming to town. We, we, we've worked on it numerous times, and it always seemed to fall through. So, again, I'm crossing my fingers on this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the as long as the office is cool, which, you know, it seems like AEW has a deal with a number of their guys that, you know, allows them to work other things, especially these established guys. Um, you know, how are you going to say no to someone when they have something planned? Um, so, you know. Knock on wood, and knock on wood, everything goes good with flights and, uh, you know, anything that could happen. Um, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have some of those on uh, September 10th with the 1% coming in, uh, Royce and Jarrell. They're, they're actually wrestling West Coast Pro at 4 o'clock. They're having the first match, getting on a flight at 5.55. They're supposed to land in Vegas at 7 when our show starts at 6. You know, they're scheduled to be in the semi-main event. So, you know, hopefully they're at the arena by 7.30 and they got 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you know, to, to get things done. Uh, Ace Austin, they're going to be Chris Bay, Kenny King, Jay Vidal. They're going to be in Westchester. I was trying to save a few bucks. I had to book Ace Austin's flight. And I fly out of Westchester because it was 20 minutes from my house where right. I used to live in Medpac. And they're wrestling in White Plains, which is where Westchester Airport is. But I was trying to slide them into like JFK because it's like $100 less. And now for some reason, the prices are even higher and they're coming out of Westchester. And the only flight to get them in there on American at a mediocre price is two stops. So even though he's leaving at 6.30 in the morning, he's not getting to Vegas till 3.30 in the afternoon. Jesus. Now you got a connection, I think, in Charlotte or Chicago or whatever it is. And then you got one in Phoenix. But the Phoenix layover is like two and a half hours. Wow. I'm going to see if I can find a better flight in Phoenix that uh, lands. Just, you just know, have, have him jump in the car with Hammerstone and those guys. Yeah, they'll be gone by then because he's not getting in until three thirty. Oh man! So, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, chaos going on for there. Uh, okay, so that brings up a scenario that I've I've never really asked you about or thought about even. Um, so two tag teams. Semi-main event or main event, let's say, out of uh, a, a four-tag team match. What happens if two of those tag teams don't get there because of travel issues? And one of those tag teams happens to be your tag champs, and it's for the titles. Well, first off, it would be three because if Royce don't get there on time, neither is Jarrell because they're on the same flight. Right. So it's all or nothing with Royce and Jarrell. Right. right okay. Right. So worst comes to worst, you can put a, a team because we have teams that will be around 
you know, right. the Suavecitos, they're going to be at West Coast Pro, too. So they're not even available to be in that match. Right. Uh, whether a Sky High or somebody else, a makeshift tag team that's going to be there, we don't know. The problem, of course, lies with Chris Bay because we're not going to have a three-way match. At that point, depending on where they're at, it may have to move to the main event. Right. That's that's the first scenario that you're probably looking at. Yeah. You know, it is, it's a big enough match. So it isn't like, hey, we're going to do big Fonz and he's going to wrestle Primo Henio. And now we have to move that to the main event, which would make absolutely zero sense. Right. You're talking about Royce and Jarrell, Tito and Che. You're talking about the Bullet Club. And the fourth team that I might as well give away that they are going to return former champions, the unguided, are going to reunite to go after the tag belts. Matt's Matt's got the future legends. He's got the cash in the case. You know, they had one of the best matches at FSW GCW with Bodie. Uh, so and they just, and they just had a, a good uh, uh, showing uh, in California, too, with uh, Bodie as well. So, yeah, for those who watched it and didn't know who they were because they didn't get an entrance. But, you know, other than that, our people knew who they are. So, you know, it, 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 it's a difficult process. It's a big show. The 5 o'clock show got moved to 6. There's no reason that show... If it goes two hours and 40 minutes, we're going to have a problem with it. Right. The problem is when you're setting up these matches and you think that it's going to be a three, two and a, 245 to three hours, where all of a sudden the matches seem to go by quicker than you want. Right. right. So initially I was looking at a seven-match card because we are going to have an elimination match at least out of the one of the survival matches. The right. women's match is no longer going to be a survivor match because of what I said last week, Rochelle and Maserati are wrestling for the tag belts in California. Right. So to make it survival of the fittest, the idea is we're going to do a four-way gauntlet match instead of just a one pin wins. So if somebody's going to defeat Viva Van, they're going to have to win two or three matches right. to beat, right. to become the women's champ. We know Brittany Brooks is set. She won the four way. She's in the match. We know Viva's in the match. We're working on the two others. We're going to have a couple of matches on Future Shock, which is coming up on the 26th, which is not really, it, it should be called Future Octane, because it's, you know, half high octane, half future shock. You know, we got Brittany Brooks on the show. We got big Fonz on the show. We got we got talent, you know. The faction said they're going to be there. Bodie's going to be there. So there's a lot of main roster talent mixed in with the younger dudes that, of course, get their opportunities to hopefully, you know, climb that ladder. So, you know, there's a lot going on. You know, we're supposed to be doing a fundraiser show. Uh, this guy, Tim, who, who makes movies and did something at the FSW Arena yep. last year. Uh, he's got a group, and they're, they're looking to do a show, I believe, on Friday, that September 29th. And, you know, it's going to be a show, a paid show. We're not having any of our fans come. They're doing it for their groups, their comedy people, whatever, their party. And, you know, it's going to be another opportunity for the younger guys to wrestle in front of people. You know, I don't, you don't even know yet. Are there 30 people or 130 people? No idea. But we got to get that set. So I'm a busy motherfucker. You know what I mean? It was like I was planning on my, uh, my, my vacation for my anniversary, October 2nd, but Jay Lethal trumps that for October 1st. So, you know, no trip to the Maldives for the wife, you know? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure that she's thrilled with, uh, with that scenario. <laughs> uh, 
you know, talking about Future Shock, um, what are some of the uh, matches that are laid out right now for uh, the 26th? They, they aren't. Really? You can say, yeah. Just, you know, we got the list, and then we're just finalizing who we got, and it's like uh, Sin Bodhi is also going to be on the show. And wow. Sin is going to wrestle one of the students who sells the most tickets. So... You know, that could be a toss-up between RBJ, Fox Valentine, and Johnny Trademark's back. He went to the Philippines, you know, for the uh, for the world tour after he made his wrestling debut, I guess. And uh, he, he came back the other day. So just in case you didn't see the message on Facebook, I'm like, hey, by the way, if you sell the most tickets, you get to wrestle Sin Bodhi because it is a great opportunity. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell them, but it'll be our secret, Matt, that if two of the guys sell like 20 tickets each, I'll probably make it a triple threat match. But I'm not going to let them know this. I I think that, you know what, I think that that's very smart not to say anything. I think that even, honestly, if all three guys uh, sold, you know. If they sell 100 tickets between the three of them, it fatal could become way. a fatal four-way. That's that. That's what I'm. I'm feeling. I'm just saying. Yeah. I got Davion hitting me up. He's like, "Hey, you know how many tickets have been sold?" It's like, "Yeah, that's not how it works." They're gonna kind of tell me the day before. So if I said nine, you're gonna try to sell ten. It's like, how about you sell as many as you want? It's like, hey, we may have standing room only because everybody wants to wrestle Sin Bodhi. Sid might, Sid might be in a battle royal. At, at the he, end of- he could. <laughs> and he gets eliminated first. How funny would that be? <laughs> it's not, not funny. Knowing Sid, smarts. Works smart. It would be funny on my end because I'd be the one booking it that way. Yeah, but, but Sid would be like, hey, <laughs> wait. I just have to go in and then go out? Oh, it. yeah. He, he loved that. Well, when we were talking about the 24-hour uh, – Rumble, uh, Sin uh, basically put it out there that he'd be willing to go for at least an hour. So, wow! I, As did Vandegrift, Damian Drake, a few others. Yeah, but do you think at this point? Do you think uh, can you see Sin doing uh, an Ironman match? Oh, he he hasn't done it very very recently, but. Uh, he's offered students the opportunity, uh, and I know Matt took advantage of it, and a few others did, of doing an Ironman match. Did a 60-minute match at the school, and basically also talked during it about reasonings and rest spots and, and how to still keep it exciting. And, and right. it, it was a very, very strong tool because you don't see that. And nope. we've had one 60-minute Ironman match with Matt and Damian Drake on New Year's Eve that I, you know, we counted down. So it was legit. You know, we've heard, yep. you, you hear stories, oh, the 60-minute Ironman match, it really only went 46. Well, 46 is still a lot. Pretty sure Flair's matches went pretty close to the 60. Right. But we had a countdown from 60 to zero, you yep. know. Yep. So there was no fudging of the numbers. And even as I was watching it, because I was commentating it, like, wow, that flew because they kept my interest in that match. And it was so cool because we started it, I believe, right at 11-ish, and it ended at midnight. Like, man, the timing would have been tough to beat any other way. Yeah. Yeah. But – it was an Ironman match, so it has to end at a certain time regardless, you know, and putting it together, man, you know, actually, I think it ended a little early. I think we ended up starting it and the show ended before midnight and it probably ended at like five of because things were moving so fast. We tried to stall as long as we could, but we had the champagne toast and everybody was happy to be there. So it's always been a fun time doing new year's resolution at the uh you know at the fsw arena yeah um with uh survival of the fittest coming up um i know you posted uh something this 
yeah, a couple days ago, maybe yesterday, day before, um, which was a, uh, a poster throwing it back, I believe, to 2014. Um, and that made me think, what are some of your favorite memories of uh, some of the matches that have happened over the years at Survival of the uh, the first one that stands out was we did the one at Sam's Town that had uh, Chris Masters, it had Lance Hoyt, it had the Commandos, it had a team called Cold Cold World that only worked about three shows for us, but one of the guys was Will Hobbs that was in there, wow. and uh, Carrie and Cross, and Kevin was in Japan that weekend, and... It was a toss-up up to whether Kevin would get there in time. Wow. So it was like, fuck, what are we going to do? So Lance put the match together. And without Kevin, things really kind of changed it up. And then, shockingly, Kevin showed up probably right around call time. But we made the idea that Kevin didn't make it on time. Sure. So we set up a scenario to where it was literally Hoyt against everybody. Gotcha. And I remember how everything panned out because I'm not sure because Chris Masters was on one side. Uh, I'm trying to remember the team dynamic. Uh, I'm yeah. going to assume the command. Yeah, Hoyt had to be a heel at the time because I believe Kevin would have had it been a babyface. So, but all I remember is that the match was over. Chris Masters, I remember him like looking toward the ramp, and Kevin slid in and gave him a Saito, and that set up Chris Masters versus Kevin Cross in Mesquite when we did a When Stars Collide. Yeah. Uh, show there that probably also had Jacob Austin Young as No Limits champion wrestling Kenny King. And uh, we did a tournament one time uh, that had Brian Cage and Tyshawn and Hoyt again. Uh, he wrestled Graves in the tournament. I remember what a shit fest it was. It was like this, it was a big match for Graves and it just didn't work real well uh, at all. And, but yeah, you know, that, that I'm pretty sure when we did at survive, I'm pretty sure it was at survival of the fittest. It was when it was the prelim to the, uh, the following where Jacob Austin young was aligned with Jack Manley against Bryce Harrison. And they did an Ironman match. I'm not a hundred percent sure it was at survival of the fittest, but I'm thinking it might've been, but We'd have to look that up. And we did it where at the end, Jacob Austin Young threw in the towel late in the match to give Bryce Harrison the win. But we didn't acknowledge anything in terms of the situation till the next show when Bryce cut a promo. And in the promo... Jack Manley and Jacob Austin Young were in the ring. The promo played as Jake was behind Jack Manley. And after the promo, the camera turned and Jacob Austin Young was filming the promo for Bryce Harris. Jack Manley had the shocked look on his face and before he turned, boom, Jacob Austin Young laid him out. Bryce Harrison came in and that was the birth of the following. And that, at the time, was the biggest deal because the faction became one of the biggest factions. People were trying to use it in other places when they would try to book them, similar to Lights Camera Faction getting that. And the faction, the, the, the following came all about by me watching the following with Kevin Bacon and loving the show and even though he was the serial killer in the thing the premise was the same because cody and big duke 
and Shelly Martinez, who was a great addition at that time, to Bryce was the leader. And the only way that the following was going to ever implode is if it imploded from within. And we were setting the tone for the No Limits champion, Bryce Harrison, that there is nobody who can beat Bryce Harrison. But maybe there is one, but he is part of the following. Right. And there was actually plans at one point to when Jake was ostracized that Damian Drake, a very young Damian Drake, was brought up as a possible new addition to the following. And then uh, Bryce got hurt, and it took a year later for Jake and Bryce to finally have that match where Bryce passed the torch. And there's a great picture that we turned into a poster. I believe my son did it, not 100% positive, but it has them, you know, burying the hatchet and if I'm Jacob Austin Young, that's on my wall. It's such a fantastic picture of yeah. the two. And it's a shame that it never got to the fruition of when it should actually have been. It was, here's the guy that can actually defeat the king. Because Bryce yeah. was the king. He had beaten guys like Thornstow from the, from the scum. And they had some, some classic matches. And whether it was Remy Marcel and, you know, I saw a recent thing with, with Bryce and it's like, I miss the dude, you know, he'd every, he'd always come back every once in a while. And then I remember the last time we spoke, he came to a show and it was like, oh yeah, I'm really uh, interested. I'm like, dude, man, you could be a manager, man. You know, you don't want to wrestle. And then we set up the whole thing and it was extremely disappointing because for the anniversary show, we kind of reunited the following for the Hater Nation against the Hater Nation. Right. And Sugar Brown, who was with Clutch at the time, and Hater and Legacy. And we did the three on three because we did the Hall of Fame ceremony where the haters were involved, which I believe was also Kenny King. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I, think so. I believe so. And, you know, the following ended up it was going to be a three-on-three somebody was going to be a manager whatever it was i don't remember exactly but then bryce never showed up and the story that is rumored to be uh a story was he was stuck in baker and it was like baker was like an hour and 15 minutes away the show was three hours away we had people that were willing to go pick him up and then it was, you know, radio silence. So that was a disappointing ending to, you know, Bryce was great to have around and always did super business. And out of it, we got a strong year and a half, two years of death proof of Cody and Jake reuniting. Man, you yep. want to see a good story, go watch the following from the beginning to the end. You know, Jake lit up Cody's face with a fireball. Uh, you know, there was so much story. That may have been the best story yeah. that we had done. And, you know, anything we do now, it's like, man, if this could be as cool as the following, you know, things changed. Uh, Bryce took a government job in Washington, D.C., uh, when he lost, he wrestled Matt Hardy in Mesquite, and we had Gatson cash in the case and won the belt because Matt hit him with, with you know, with, with his move. And that day, I'm not even sure if it was that day. It might have been that week or whatever, but I think we were doing the finish anyway, and I think Bryce told me after the fact, believe it or not, that he was going to Washington, D.C. And the following at that point wasn't really the following. It was Jake and it was Bryce Harrison. Then we went, and then about a year later, it was a long time, they were still, you know, Jake was doing his thing. He was running with the No Limits title. And then he had lost it. Did he lose it? No, he didn't lose it. Uh, He hadn't lost it yet. So the point was Jake had the cash in the case. 
and we did a match with Sharp and Gatson is the main event at Silverton. A lot of people were like, oh, man, I don't know about that. It's the main event, you know, because, you know, Gatson was a guy on the outside. He was around. He was he was starting to get over. They loved watching some of his shit. And Sharp, these were these were mid card guys. And but the but the setup was so big. And I remember after Gatson retained, four hooded guys came and people were like, what the fuck? And then, you know, the belt was handed to the referee and they laid out Gatson and one by one they unmasked and Big Duke was a guy that had started being on the show. People kind of knew who he was. At the time, it was either Big Duke or Evan Daniels. But because all the other guys were under 200 pounds, we didn't want, you know, we wanted a, a heavyweight, a tag team, because the right. initial idea would have been like Jake and Cody as the tag, Bryce was the singles guy, and Duke would be the heavyweight. And then Cody unmasked, and Cody was the big fan favorite. And I just remember people were like, holy shit, fucking Cody. And then Jake unmasked, and then it was like, what the fuck? And Bryce Harrison was the guy who cashed in the case, and Bryce took his rightfully uh, had spot as the as the leader in the No Limits Champion, and that was the birth, you know, of that. So I'm thinking that came out of Survival of the Fittest, which wow. makes me curious to have to look now. And if not, it's it's a type of match that would be for Survival of the Fittest, right? An Iron Man match. An I quit match, a gauntlet match, you know, things like that. So, you know, you try to get that concept. It's kind of like the Against All Odds Rumble. I got people who don't come to very many shows, but they'll come to that one. They love the Rumble. So, um, yeah. Out of all the, um, out of all the survival of the fittest, um, and you've done them in a couple different places. Is there one particular uh, venue that worked best for it? You know, um, because like you said, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, there, I guess, uh, you know, survival stipulation matches essentially. Um, does it play better with that in a place like, you know, uh, Sam's town or, um, is the FSW arena a place where the fans are closer to it? Maybe that's a, a more attractive place for it. Like, did you ever feel that the venue affected the way the show uh, played? Well, to me, no matter what differences we may have with Sam's town, that, that is the Madison square garden of Vegas wrestling. And I could just envision it because I see the the two the two projector screens, the giant projectors. The right. room is great. The room is filled. The Silverton is an extremely good arena, but it isn't Samstown. And Samstown is the best arena. It has all the eclectics. The lighting is superb. The locker rooms are superb. You know, yeah. the arena is now nostalgic because we brought Ring of Honor there. New Japan's back there in October. Again, I'm still trying, sending an email, and I, I can't even get a, hey, no thank you. And that's extremely disappointing. And despite the fact that it pisses me the fuck off, I'm not going to downplay what Samstown meant to FSW. You know, the biggest shows we had were at Samstown, the 10th right. anniversary, right. the, you know, TLC match with Brian Cage and Matt Hardy, you know, as big as the No Escape was at the Silverton, which was our last show with Del Rio and, and everybody, that show the atmosphere, as good as it is, is never a, a Samstown atmosphere. The, where the camera sits, where everything is, it's, it's the look, 
of the venue is 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 the best in this town. You know, obviously, sure. I guess if we went to uh, you know T-Mobile or Allegiant, yeah, yeah. but realistically, for a company, you know, Sam's Town is the place. Sam's Town got a reputation through FSW as basically the venue capital, the fight venue capital of Vegas. Because before FSW showed up, I think they did a Ring of Honor show there many, many years ago with Samoa Joe and Danielson, and it didn't draw squat. And then after we got in there, then all of a sudden PPW and Ring of Honor and the ring warriors or whatever they were called everybody tried to dip their foot in the pool over at samstown and it isn't because of oh well fsw runs here we're gonna ccw arena it's not the fsw arena you know it was right. it's a great right. arena and they were able to make and that's what irritates me even more that they made a lot of money because of us bringing them notoriety we did it together so right. when you're making right. all that money, why aren't we different than all of them? You just lump us all in as one, despite the fact that we're the one who brought the goodwill. We're the one who brought, we're the ones who brought those thousands and thousands of dollars of checks that you'd always complain that we didn't bring you by giving us the shot, got you all that money. Yeah. And in return, it's, no, thank you. Oh, wait, we can't even give you that. You know, I see you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me up. You know, I'll check my emails. You know, I'll talk to them. You know, because we meet once a month. It's like, so you have a venue you don't even want to fucking use. And that's the thing. They don't want to use it. So New right. Japan has right. to pay them, you know, five times market rate because they like the arena. Right. So why why would they have it? And it's like, because New Japan's running on Saturday, everything is set up. All you got to do is tear it down Sunday, and they've already paired, they've already paid you to tear it down Saturday night. So here's the deal: you give us a good deal, and you don't have to hire as many people. So the money you made for breakdown is more money to you because our crew is breaking down the arena for you. Right. That's our gift to you. Yeah. It's, um, so. yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's very sad how that shutdown of the pandemic affected their operations with entertainment. Um, we literally, I literally signed six to eight contracts for Samstown moving forward. And I believe two of them were at the West Side Cannery. Because we wanted that venue. So yeah. we got that locked up for a couple. And we had Samstown locked up for a few. And, you know, I, I, I should check legalities. I wonder if you have a signed contract for a date. If that date doesn't happen, is that contract still valid? Hmm, interesting. It's actually a good point. Because that's how we got to do our last show at the Silverton. But the thing was different. The Silverton, we signed a three-show contract. So we hadn't done the third date. So the contract forced them to, because they were done with us. And right. I was like, well, we got one more show on our contract. And the lady was like, oh, okay. I threw that out there. I had no fucking clue. But I figured I'd take a shot. At Samstown, we had a legitimate date. Now, if it was shut down because of the pandemic, I would think maybe that would make it null and void, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question because of the yeah, fact we, that we have June 20th, 2020. Well, there's nothing going on until 2021. We're done. We're not doing those events anymore. You know what I mean? It, 
they, they get a lot more money than me to fight it, I guess, in court if we had to, you know? That's, yeah, that's the whole thing. You're going to fight the machine of uh, Boyd. Um, when you, uh, when you're getting uh, this card together now, how do you, obviously, we talked a little bit about travel um, and how that would impact the positioning, but when you have a number of these matches that have different stipulations or different types of matches, how do you lay it out so that the pacing doesn't um, either get slowed down or, you know, can, can keep the fans' interest uh, without it starting to feel like, you know, it's a gauntlet match. Okay, now it's, you know, an I quit match. And now it's this, you know, usually in a show, you'll get, you know, three, four matches and an I quit match. Three, four matches and a gauntlet match or something like that where, you know, it's it's like that's the, the featured, the special attraction. Um, is is it harder to lay out the matches and also have the wrestlers make sure that they're sticking to, uh, you know, the time parameters so that the the show isn't running too long as well? I mean, it, it's got to be a little more complicated to book a show like this. It is, but the difference is you're 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 hoping that it isn't what we're doing on September 10th. It's everything we've been doing leading up to September 10th. So if we're going to do a survival of the fittest match where, for example, we're going to have the Billionaire Boys Club and it's going to be Jordan Cruz class and it's going to be Devin Reno. Well, before they sent out an open challenge, we already had an idea. And Remy Marcel was definitely, you know, wanting that match. And we got Remy Marcel and we got Graves. Okay, so in reality, I'll give it away right here. We're going we're gonna to do a survival three-on-three match. And right now, Remy is, is scouring on who we would like to have as his third partner. So that will be a match. Yeah. Uh, we already announced that we're going to be doing Nick Xander and Jay Vidal. Well, hopefully people care. And after what happened the last couple shows, it seems like they do. So that's going to be a match that might not have a stipulation at all. I already said we have a four-way tag match that's going to feature some great teams. So you're not looking at that. That's that's a regular match. So, but it's a four-way match. So they, you know, you have to overcome three other teams. But shit, those are four really good teams. So you should give a shit about it. Right. You have a gauntlet match. Brittany Brooks, Viva Van, and we're filling in. You know, I'm looking at you know a couple of outside talents that you may not see regularly. Because if you do, then it becomes similar to what you may have seen before. So we're right. trying to make it, you know, different. So you're talking about that match. And obviously, the faction are not in a tag match. Well, they hold some gold. So the plan is the faction are going to be in a five-on-five Survivor Series matchup with eliminations. So the question becomes, well, if you're observant to FSW, it was five-on-one. You saw what they did to Clutch. So I'm going to guess Clutch would be one of those guys. Now the question becomes, who else has had their issues with the faction and wants to step up? Well, it's also a main event match. Everybody and their mother would want to be in that match. So, you know, we're talking, and hopefully within the next uh, week or so, 
we're, we know for a fact, like, okay, let's not play the game. Bodie's going to be in that match. Right. Bodie's had the issues and clutch, but we have to find the other three. And it ain't going to be on five on two. You know, there was nobody helping clutch on that five on one beatdown. Right. You know, I know it was Saturday, but uh, Bodie had to get up early for uh, Sunday Hebrew school, I guess. He wasn't there to help. Well, and, and is, is, is Sugar, he's 62 now, right? Is that why he's stepped away? Well, what's funny is if you see Sugar Brown, it isn't like you never see him anymore. He was at the Silverton show hanging out. He's been at a couple of the arena shows hanging out. You know, I've, I've talked to him, and I'll be 100% honest. Like, not like, hey, well, we're going to work this one. I'm like, hey, bro, you know, what do you think? And it's like, yeah, you know, sugar, sugar. Like, he, he ain't letting nothing out of the bag. Yeah. Now, whether he wants to come back or not, I can't believe he doesn't want to. But I think deep down, he wants to come back. But it would have to really flow the juices. Right. You know, do they just come back as a tag team and leave where they left off, which was the same exact thing as two years ago? But when you've been gone for so long, maybe you want something fresh. And we've not really had those in-depth conversations. Because I jokingly said, hey, Clutch needs a partner, bro. What do you say? And he does his sugar brown laugh and kind of walks away without an answer. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's definitely an intriguing thing because, yeah, he's got plenty of history with Clutch. That's his boy. They went to China together. But he's got plenty of history with Kenny King. Right. Right. You know, and Kenny specifically talked about how sugar brown had to carry Clutch's 270-pound ass. Which I think it's closer to 240 now. He's lost a lot of weight. So he's looking good, you know. isn't he? And, and you know, and the thing is, you know, as Kenny's taking a shot at Clutch, he's kind of putting over Sugar Brown as basically the guy who carried that team, saying good, positive things about Sugar Brown. You're still my boy. Blah 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 blah. You know, you know, you could be in the faction and you don't have to carry our bags, type of thing. You know. You don't know what the inner workings of the faction are. You know, they could be, you know, the NWO with 27 members before you know it. I, 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 I just want to see you do that. Just expand the faction, the group that you just. Three years ago, oh my God, they won't shut up. They're just loud, <laughs> and just make, make it where this is. This is you know, half your roster is in the uh, the lights camera faction. I think that'd be phenomenal. Um, well, they, they 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 got ice in the main spot, so that you know, that was the difference maker. Braxton was not a difference maker. Ice was. He's a champion now. You got because because they all got elevated because of Ice Williams. That's why. That's why. The the one thing you got to give Braxton credit for was he took the step down. Most people would have fought in it. They would have fought the idea of bringing in a guy who's basically going to be the face of the faction. Yeah. You know, it was lights, camera, faction. That was Braxton's baby. Yeah. And he took the step back. Now he's taking another step back with Kenny King. Because, you know, whoever saw a faction grew by basically a guy stepping ahead of the heavyweight champion of the company. Right. You know, Ice Williams has to acquiesce to Kenny King. And with the egos in that group, 
I can't believe that it's going to be smooth sailing all the way through. Is it? That sounds like that should be a member of the faction. Smooth sailing. Could be. You know, we had Mr. Smith in the uh, Hater Nation. He might be looking for a comeback. <laughs> um, you know, you, you said uh, the the four way, uh, the the gauntlet with the. Um, the women and you're still uh looking for two talents what kind of um effect obviously rochelle and um maserati are wrestling somewhere else uh and that show just happens to be the same day and it's an all-woman show um is it harder than to kind of narrow down a couple of those talents that you know you might have considered who actually are working that show because well yeah j-rod j-rod was definitely expected to be in the elimination match and i saw the flyer and i hadn't hit her up yet because it was a week or two ago so it was more than a month i may have mentioned the date to her but i think they moved their dates around you know yeah. and seeing her on there it made me have to adjust because to do an elimination match we had done a six uh six woman tag but it was a lot of the familiar local faces and things like that and it, it would be too similar to do it again in, in a bigger platform so i had to come up with something different you know like the four-way we just had we had Maz and britney brooks in it. and right. there was no rochelle and there was no viva so it's still fresh you know if Maz and britney brooks are in the same match and they also had the tag the week before that they were in, where it was right. Rochelle and Maz and Brittany, but Viva was doing her own thing in that match, uh, on that show. That show. So yeah. it's like now we were still looking for a six, so we probably had five, and now we're back down to three because we have no Rochelle and we have no Maz and we have no J-Rod. So now we still got Viva and Brittany Brooks. And, yeah, there there's always the Alice Blair, the Tanaya, the Gypsy Mac. And not saying that one of those wouldn't be in the, the gauntlet, but I'm pretty sure one of two of them would have been in the three-on-three three match or possibly a four-on-four four match, depending on who was available. You know, if you take Maz and, and Rochelle and J-Rod, that's three members of one team already. Yeah. And then you have Viva and Brittany Brooks on that side for sure. So you already got three on two. You put Gypsy Mac with uh, Maz and, and, and Rochelle, you got the four you need. And now it's like, well, you can use Alice Blair. You can use Tanaya. You can use a couple of the others. Zamaya, you know, who we use. Now it's a little easier to get to the four on four. Yeah. Well, guess what? We can't now. So what's the best option? Well, let's not. Let's give the fans the thought process of we're watching a four way gauntlet match where it's going to be difficult to beat Viva, who's been the best woman wrestler in FSW for the last two years. Right. What if we do a gauntlet match where somebody's got to overcome the odds and who knows if they can upset her, but it's going to be people that you haven't seen. We saw Alice play wrestle people fan. I just saw Gypsy Mac wrestle people fan. So you're going to bring in uh, Billy Starks. You never know. We got, we got three weeks. There's numerous people that, you know, on the West coast, but the question again becomes, all right, first off, who's booked? On the all women show in California, right? Because there's a lot of talent there, you know. And yeah. he also brings yeah. in a lot of talent, the Tom guy, because right. we worked with him when he was doing the shows in Vegas. And you know, the question becomes: you you want to have a match where people give a shit, and you want to have a match where people buy into whatever you're doing. Yeah, just just uh, interesting, like because like you said, they have a 
you know a great amount of talent on that show and um just interesting you know to see a dynamic where you have the plan um you know based on people just not being available because of some other show uh finally yeah I'm, I'm looking at it right now just to see so i was like hey who, who, who's an idea she lives in vegas katie forbes she's on the show right. brooke havoc who we were trying to use she's on the show uh obviously the renegade twins they're out of california i believe uh maz and rochelle and you know there's a lot of women there who've hit me up for opportunities so it's like okay where where are we gonna go yeah because like jordan and again i i i miranda alizé is on the show She's extremely talented. She she won the Ring of Honor uh, women's thing a couple years back. Yeah. And we know her through uh, Ed doing his shows at our arena. Right. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, a who's who. And, yeah, and, and again, I got to get on the horn. You know, everything comes so quick. It's like, oh, wow, we only got three, a, a little more than three weeks. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, yeah. we've been getting out the marketing, and we have announcing of who's going to be at Survival of the Fittest. So we're happy in terms of that. Yeah. So, yeah, here's a list of their matches. And, you know, I'm looking for one in particular who's getting a really good buzz. But I don't see her on the show. And I don't want to drive her price up by uh, mentioning her here. But from what I see, yeah, there's a few others. uh, Zyra that Maz has mentioned and and a couple of others. But, yeah, and J-Rod, there she is. Alex Gracia. uh, She's from California. So, yeah, you know, there's a few on tap because you also got to understand there's some that aren't on it that work for Women of Wrestling Wow. And from what I heard, because Tessa Blanchard, even though she's no longer with Wow, she's getting paid to not be a part of Wow Wow. after the falling out. So she's making her money, but they stopped her from appearing at the last show is what I'm told. Because she's still being paid by them. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we definitely do have options. So, yeah. Uh, final wrap up thoughts as we uh, head into this week. And uh, of course, remember uh, the 26th uh, FSW Arena will be a future shock at 4 p.m. Uh, and then uh, September 10th. Special about- Godsmack and Stain Time. Right. Right, he's got it. He's got his uh, his metal uh, concert that night. So, yes, and it will for the first time. It Future Shock will air on Fight Plus. Yeah, yeah. So, so definitely check that out if you watch on Fight Plus and you're not in town. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're in the process. I'm trying to uh, add some stuff to the network. I'm also looking to do some midweek stuff. Uh, which features just the students because we do a TV class every two or three weeks with Kenny. And it's like, well, why not, you know, tighten it up and make it a show that we can, you, you can really maybe a behind the scenes look at, at that. And I think that's definitely something that we can go with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting. Uh, you know, Survival of the Fittest, September 10th, of course, uh, 6 p.m. start time at the uh, uh, the Silver Nugget. Um, and, uh, you know, again, Fight Plus. You can catch it on Fight Plus. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see where some of the stories are going because um, there should... I, I think there's a lot of uh, investment in, uh, you know, some of these storylines that have... It's been really good um, in terms of, I think, you know, helping the characters progress too. You know, um, and yeah. By by next week, I think uh, we'll be able to announce 
the majority of the card. Yeah. So, looking forward to seeing what it's actually going to shape up to be. And uh, hope everyone out there is having a good week. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Thank you.